Hey guys, thanks for joining us for the AI Live podcast. Here we'll be talking all things aesthetics, fillers, threads, neurotoxins, techniques, and even interviewing people in the aesthetic community. Thanks for tuning in and we hope you enjoy. Hi guys, how's everybody doing? So my partner, Lori, did a little too much weight loss. A little semi- no, I'm kidding. <laughs> She's actually at the uh, at a conference in, I believe, Florida. And she is, um, what is it? She is speaking about Renuva. So she's doing the opposite. We're adding adding more fat into, <laughs> into patients. But <laughs> we thought it'd be cute to actually add Lori here as part of <laughs> today's Scully. To, uh, as part of today's uh, AI Live. Unfortunately, Lori couldn't make it, so... We're replacing her with Scully for today. <laughs> so hopefully you guys have been good. Um, we've been busy. I think both her and I have come. We just came back from Am Spa. Uh, that was a super busy, uh, super busy uh, conference. I think there's about 2,000 people at the conference. So if you came by and said hi, stop by the booth. Thank you so much for dropping by and saying hi. Um what else? I know this topic is an interesting topic. Um, I've delved into it a little bit. I haven't delved into a lot. You know, hopefully it will be kind of general overview of it. Um, I know, uh, I guess everybody's in on this. <laughs> and we'll talk a little bit more about it and, and see where it is. Um, I don't know everything about it. I don't know all the side effects. I mean, there are the ones that you read about. There are the ones that you're starting to hear about. And I think as with the population uses it more, we'll hear more about it. But um, let's jump into a little bit of, um, what is it? E the, uh, oh wait, they said that there are AMSPA photos. Are you guys showing AMSPA photos, guys? Oh, okay. So we're not showing AMSPA photos. <laughs> um, but we are gonna talk a little bit about things that are up and coming for AI. Um, we have a lot of things going on here at the Aesthetic Immersion. Um, if you guys are interested in um, microneeding RF, and this is one of my favorite microneeding RF machines out there, um, Silfirm X um, with exosomes, MiraQ threads. But Nev has been gracious enough to work with us to do some free webinars. Um, and so there will be some free webinars currently out there. Um, you're more than welcome to join. Um, you can find the registration links for these at www.theaestheticimmersion.com. Um, you're going to see Lori on February 9th. So I believe that's this week on Thursday. Yeah, this week on Thursday, Lori, um, as well as Dr. Rahi are going to do a discussion and demonstration on Silfirm X and why Silfirm X's technology is different, even though it is rare. You know, even though it is radio frequency, you guys out there, when you are doing your uh, evaluations of lasers or any devices, really try to ask around, understand what the devices are all about, what the pros and cons are. Remember, a lot of these companies, you know, you're talking to salespeople. So what are they? Sales. Um, and so ultimately... Um, just make sure you know that you, you do do diligence when you are buying machines out there. Now, uh, Silver Max is going to be the first one. So that's February 9th at 5.30. Um, that's Western uh, or Pacific Coast time. February 16th is going to be on exosomes. So if you guys uh, have tuned into us, I think we did do an AI live on exosomes 
one of my favorite things. They're the messages inside the stem cells. And so a lot of us are starting to use that um, for our treatments. Um, I loved, um, I really, really do love using them. I'm starting to, you know, inject them, even though by technicality, they're topical. Um, I'd love, I've seen, seeing some nice treatments with regards to hair and just using them with microneedling and really, really loving that. Hi, Jennifer. Um, thanks guys for dropping by the Amspa booth. Um, and then that is going to be uh, February 16th at 530. It's Dr. J.D. McCoy and, and Dr. Richard Jin. Uh, Dr. Jin does a lot of research in this realm um, and, and works with them on the exosome. So if you guys are really interested, remember exosomes, a lot of companies say they use stem cells or exosomes. This is the one company in the world that actually has exosomes on the package itself because they did it right. They actually went to the international I guess the cosmetic ingredient people and actually submitted the paperwork, submitted how it's made, submitted all the adverse things and stuff like that. And so they got approval to use their product and say it's exosome. So majority of the products out there that say they're stem cells or exosome related, they'll say they're derived from something or some proprietary concoction. This actually just states exosome. So um, I love the fact that they really went above and beyond the what the industry has been doing and really, really gotten that. So if you're interested in that, February 16th at 530. Um, and then March 2nd, I am going to be doing a um, discussion with Ponta um, on Miracu threads. So another thread that I do use, March 2nd, it's at 530 with me and Ponta. She's an amazing RN out here in the Beverly Hills area. Um, and so we're going to play with Miracu threads. So I play with both Mint and Miracu. I think some of you guys know that I play with both of them, but um, I do a lot more right now with trainings with the Mint, but I do love some of the Miracu threads. They really, really do um, hold on their own. Okay, so if you want to want to sign up for any of those, those are all free access to you guys. So first one is this Thursday, next one is next Thursday, and then two weeks from now, beginning of March, that is it. So www.theaestheticimmersion.com. Okay. Um, other than that, we are having um, Lori and I will be on the road. We're doing our hoedown down in Houston, guys. We are doing. Uh, amazing workshop it's our foundations of advanced aesthetics and foundations of advanced dentistry course um so that's going to be february 25th and on february 26th is our ai lab we are being hosted by bcrn aesthetics in houston texas so brie collins is graciously offered her clinic up for us to be doing these um, amazing amazing um hands-on courses so foundations is really really getting into our foundations AI Lab is actually our our injectable hands-on aspect of it. So we spend an hour with you with one of the preceptors, um, and we take it to the whatever level. So if you're like, hey, I want someone to handhold me through injecting temples or handhold me injecting under eyes or other areas, that's what this is for. I know a lot of people watch a lot of didactics and they're like, I really just need to get my hands on with something. That is what AI Live is for. And so um, if you have the opportunity, February 25th, 26th, we are going to be out there in Houston. Um, other than that, March 4th, we're actually doing a Foundations of Threads course. Um, so 
there is going to be here at Brea, California. It's with me and Lori. So if you've been interested in jumping into threads, that is our base foundation. We're going to get in there with you guys and handhold you through placing these threads correctly. Because if placed correctly, I think you can get amazingly beautiful, beautiful results. Um, March 11th, biosimulator. So if you guys are interested in a hands-on course with um calcium hydroxyl appetite and PLLA Sculptra we are doing a hands-on course here at the Brea location on March 11th um and then of course uh March 18th we are doing our foundations of advanced aesthetics course as well as advanced dentistry course here on March 18th it's with me and Trevor Larson who's an amazing RN um and we are going to be hosting it here on March 18th and then lastly, of course, is um, our webinar of injecting foreheads, high risk area. I know people are like, what? High uh, yeah, I do do that. I do have uh, a lot of cool things and that's going to be, oops, sorry, it's March 14th, sorry, um, is when it's going to be, we're going to do the webinar. It's going to be, uh, I believe in the evening time, probably at 6 p.m. So if you guys are interested, you can sign up and register for that one. It is a high risk area. So those of you guys are interested in learning about it, just being able to see about, see it, why do play around the forehead? So what do I do? How do I approach it? Anatomy, all of that good stuff with regards to it. Um, and then what else do we have? Uh, we also, um, we opened and launched our, uh, cadaver, cadaver and I guess you could say full injection type of, uh, course. It's going to be in Hawaii and it's going to be June, I believe 15th or 16th, 15th, 16th, 16th, 17th. I forgot. It's a Saturday, Sunday. Um, we're going to do it with Dr. Sadat. We're going to lead up to it with a webinar series. If you guys are interested in actually, uh, cadaver dissections through the webinar. So look out for that registration. We are going to be filming that very soon. And then we'll be launching the webinar series on this anatomy. I think it would be amazing to work with Dr. Sadat with regards to actually having something that's going to be, uh, interactive and on through this webinar aspect of it. And it's going to lead up to us being in Hawaii where we're going to be able to uh, actually get to kind of dissect out and do some high yield things with regards to the cadaver heads. And then the next day, Lori and I are probably going to do a lot of injections, full face type of injections, talking about assessment, talking about how to address the whole face. We're going to combine threads, toxins, fillers all at one time, just so you can see what it looks like to really do the full gambit on a patient at one time. Um, so if you're interested in that, reach out to us, learn at the aesthetic immersion.com or jump on the website. I'm sure there's a link to that space is limited. Unfortunately, we don't have too many spaces. So if you are interested in that, it's a great time to tag on a vacation. You can write off the whole thing, right? <laughs> All right. And then lastly, of course, as always, our mentorship program, we do have our mentorship levels. We have the aesthetic starter for you guys. They're just starting um, lots of videos in there. The aesthetic insider, we're constantly updating it with videos. Um, you get 10% off of hands-on trainings. The, remember, this is your digital library of of everything that Lori and I do, you'll get to see injecting with needles, injecting with cannulas, our assessments. Um, and then of course the provider community where you guys, we're trying to form this community that you guys support each other. 
Um, and then, of course, the top of them is the Founders Club. This is great for you guys who don't have a mentor or looking for some some person to bounce ideas off of. We jump on monthly virtual calls with you. It typically is after AI Live. We stay back and we spend a whole hour with you guys, letting you guys ask questions, um, pick our brains. Hopefully people out there also that are a part of this Founders Club actually contribute and we just chit chat and we really go over different things that are maybe up and coming, things that you've been dealing with, things that are odd, unique that you've have happened with you. Um, one of the things, you know, I just filmed it is actually have right here, my nose. I thought it was me blowing my nose, uh, too hard from allergies actually come to find out and think about it. I actually had a slight vascular occlusion, a little vascular compromise. And the cool, interesting thing is that I actually just did, it was a nasolabial fold that one of my practitioners injected me happened here and it wasn't wasn't painful wasn't anything it was actually okay as the cap refill but what triggered it off for me is actually a few days later my scalp right on this side actually started to get scabs and was getting super sensitive so did a did a video about that so that will go on to our membership libraries and stuff like that but very interesting with regards to vascular occlusions and stuff like that so we try and go over everything, guys. Okay, so, oh, I think I've talked a lot, but we're gonna jump into tonight's topic. Um, I, I'm not gonna dive deep, 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 deep into it, but you know, I think it's important to talk about this. You know, I think everyone always, we're obsessed as, as humans with weight loss. We all wanna lose weight, we all wanna lose weight, and this is one of the, the new cool topics. And, you know, we're gonna talk about semi-glutide, you know, brand names Ozempic, um, what else is Wagovi? These are FDA approved names, and it's not that it's brand new, it's been around actually for a little bit of time. Um, it's just gotten much more hype lately, just because some, you know, more, more, uh, I guess the the internet and social media and all of those have just brought it out to to the open. Um, I personally have played around with it probably for about six months or a little bit longer. We've been doing on patients. One of my nurse practitioners that was working with me um, has been doing it on patients for a year to two years now um, with his clientele as well as our patients' population. So. Um, it's been an interesting, it's been a very, very interesting ride because, you know, ultimately what, what do we know when we talk about weight loss? There's a lot of weight loss clinics that are out there that have been out there. It's all about the fentramines, the fendometrazines, all of those, you know, the fenfen aspect of it. Patients, the fenfluramine part got taken off the market. We know the fentramine works very nicely, but it still is more of a crutch. And remember all of this stuff are crutches they're not there to be like oh it changed my metabolism it changes and changes and i'm going to keep losing weight all the time you know so that is one of the counseling things that you still need to make sure that you do so we're going to jump into this powerpoint and hopefully it'll kind of give you a gloss over and then guys go do your own research learn a little bit more about it and if you want to bring it into your clinics um consider it. I think it's definitely healthy. You know, we get a lot of patients who are a little bit overweight and they want these nice looking things for their faces. They want to lift their face up. And sometimes they're a little too heavy. They're a little too, you could say fat in a sense. And, and what you can do for them is not going to be the best outcomes. They really do need to lose weight before they 
approach different things, whether it's threads, whether it's fillers and stuff like that, you know, and I think ultimately a lot of a lot of our talks were afraid, I think, this day and age to call a patient out that you are a little too heavy for what I, what needs to be done, um, what you're looking for. We want you to lose a little bit of weight. It's healthy for you. And there's a lot of documentations in literature that weight does cause a lot of issues, a lot of cardiovascular, a lot of issues down the road. And if you, we are in that preventative aspect of it, these are things that we do need to talk to our patients about. It's not something you should just sweep under the rug because you don't want to hurt their feelings and you don't want to address kind of the big elephant in the room, which is weight. And so these are things that are out there for your patients, whether you decide to bring them into your practice or not. Okay, so let's jump into it. So many types of weight loss injections, you guys probably have barely heard of Manjaro. Manjaro is one of the newest ones on the on the block. It's still within the diabetic route, but I bet you that they're going to be uh, trying to get an approval for this for weight loss. Um, ooh, guys, why did we get into the body dysmorphic disorder? <laughs> I think you guys downloaded the wrong PowerPoint. Sorry, people. <laughs> they need to go back and re-upload re the right one. Well, let's talk about it. So Ozempic is probably the one that people know the most. Ozempic or semi-glutide being the one that has to do with the biggest um, um, change up. Oh, okay. Okay, it's working now. Okay, perfect. So previous state of weight loss, as I was talking about, fentermine, fendometrazine, finfluramine, Fen, Fen, that was the combination that got taken off of the marketplace. Fentermine is known as a lot of different things. Both of them were appetite suppressant. It worked on the norepinephrine aspect of it with regards to re releasing agents. And so it's worked on the on the central nervous system aspect of it. Um, so ultimately, these were great. You see it, you know, you get the heart palpitation sometimes, the sleeplessness, the constipation, nervousness. Um, a lot of my patients end up getting a little emotional on this, um, but it controlled the appetite up to a certain amount. You know, you kept going up and up and up. Um, definitely had to watch that. So these were what we were using before. And I actually did do a, a, a decent amount of weight loss earlier in my career. We actually were doing skin and, and weight loss at the same time because that's kind of going hand in hand with that. And so you can see Fentramine has been approved since 1959. So it's been used for a long time um, with great success if used in conjunction as a crutch, as a way of physical therapy to physically control them so that the patients can make better choices for themselves. Okay. So now this is the current state of weight loss treatments. Um, as we we're talking about Manjaro. So intended treatment use, of course, was diabetes. Um, but really where, where we're looking at, let's go over to semi-glutide. This is where majority of people are talking about. I know there, there are other ones for um, uh, diabetes is really where it is. The liraglutides um, and the dulglutide, which is the trulicity. Um, these are the ones that are, you know, once a week type of things for your diabetics. So it works as a GLP, um, glucagon-like peptide. And so we'll, we'll go into a little bit of that discussion a little bit more. But there are, as you can see, a ton of these 
in the same class that are GLPs um, out there. And certain ones approved. I think the earliest one you can see is the Trulicity was back in 2014. Oh, actually, the Victoza was back in 2010. I forgot about that one. And so ultimately, they're all working on that same pathway, which is the glucagon-like peptide. And it has to do with, you know, a little bit more different uh, receptor, uh, how it uh, jumps onto it, how, how affinity is for them. But what really, really brought it to the marketplace was most people are talking about Ozempic and of course Wagovi going along with it um, being their their uh, weight loss approval FDA wise um, and you can see GLP works really really nicely there one of the things when they were doing the diabetic studies is they actually saw um, especially in Zempeg, they saw about a 15% decrease in weight within their their studies. And so they ended up ju jumping in and tagging on a weight loss uh, approval for it, which they called it Wagovi. Now, the newest one on the marketplace, which is still, is still in the diabetic realm, but we're watching it, is called Manjaro. Manjaro actually is a little bit different. It's a GIP, so it's a, uh, it works on the incretin molecule. Um, as well as the glucagon-like peptide. And ultimately, this one actually has been shown to actually um, increase your weight loss by, I think it was, it was up to 23% with potentially less GI side effects. So we'll see once that comes out where, where it is and how it, um, how it, if it gets approved FDA-wise for weight loss, I'm sure they are really jumping on the bandwagon for that you can see we we hear that there's a lot of uh uh shortages in some of these medications which you know uh, are working very very well for your diabetics but you know i think because of the weight loss everybody's jumping on to this type of stuff okay so glucagon what is glucagon remember glp glucagon like peptide so this is what all of them are what what is glucagon glucagon is a hormone that the pancreas makes and it helps to regulate your blood glucose sugar levels um it increases blood sugar levels so this is the one that pushes sugar back out uh, in uh, the opposite effect is what insulin does which is to store it and pull sugars out of your bloodstream glucagon actually pushes blood sugar out blood sugar levels out and prevents the dropping of the blood sugar level from drooping too low. Um, with glucagon, of course, as you're doing that, it reduces body weight as well as fat and suppression of appetite by modulating that lipid metabolism. Um, this, uh, this hormone does promote weight loss by activation of energy expenditure and some thermogenesis. And so this is why we're seeing a, a nice uh, improvement in weight loss from all of these glucagon-like peptides which are out there, semi-glutide being the one that's leading the pack on the industry. Um, so the GLP acts through a binding activation of the glucagon receptor. Um, it's mainly present in the liver, the kidneys, and to a lesser extent in you know the, the intestinal walls, but it affects the brains, um, adipose tissue, a lot of different things. Um, and you know, it is considered the treatment for type type two diabetes because its effect is on the pancreatic alpha alpha cells. And I've heard that actually it can actually improve the production of actually some uh, pancreatic cells as well. Additionally, novel effects glucagon modulating satiety is one of the important things that is you feel 
uh, more satiated, it actually does start to slow down that gastric emptying time. So when you know when we get to the side effects, we'll talk about that. But when you slow down that whole gut aspect of it, you know, yeah, it keeps you full. But then one of the opposites is that you may be a slightly constipated. Um, but thermogenesis, energy exp expenditure, controls of lipid metabolism. So there's a lot of things that are beneficial that we're starting to see. I mean, I hear that it's a little bit kidney protective, kidney, a liver protective, it's pancreatic protective, a lot of different things that we are hearing from different aspects of it. Um, GLP versus, so the GIP and GLP medications versus GLP, they're course the manjaro is a duagonist um, and the gip is a gastric inhibitory peptide so it works a little bit more on that aspect of it which is another gut hormone which makes you feel full satiated um, improves the sens insulin sensitivity so it doesn't do as much glp activity so they're finding because there's less glp activity you have a little less um, gastric uh, issues with regards to that um, and the GIP can be reduced in patients with insulin resistance and obesity, which is why the, the, we're seeing a little bit more higher push um, with regards to the weight loss in the, in the Manjaro because of the GIP. It has a GLP as well as a GIP um, activation with regards to that. And so that's for you guys to continue watching and work on that aspect of it. This is just a quickie summary of that on how the glucagon goes to, you know, the hypothalamus, the hypothalamus, uh, pushes out to other portions of your liver and stuff like that. And so this is kind of your little table. So positive side effects, increased energy and I would probably say it's a plus minus I mean I've had some patients that actually have had more lethargy and fatigue um, and it can happen for probably a month or two months and then they start to get back that energy um, reduced cravings for sure I do see that and hear that from my patients definitely reduced appetite a lot of patients end up not eating um, and so that is a definite no no you definitely want your patients to eat something um and definitely feeling much more satisfied smaller meals they the cravings of other things have definitely gone down and so those are probably the best side effects that patients are loving about it they don't get that fentramine buzz where they're just on high it's a little bit like speed or being on amphetamines with your fentramines this one is literally just more about the satiety decreasing cravings um and, and being able to control your your meals and make healthier more conscious decisions about what what you are putting into your body remember food should be considered a medicine and it should be talked to your patients as food as being a medicine it's not just i'm just eating for the heck of eating because it tastes good food actually does need to be looked at as medicinal versus um actually detrimental and actually toxic to the to your body so you know, helping your patients being able to control making better choices is super important as the side effect. Um, other positive side effects, GLP um, has reduced the risk of heart attacks and strokes or death from cardiovascular issues. I know that there's a balance of that. I've heard patients, I've heard people or physicians and practitioners say, oh, maybe it does increase that aspect of it. But ultimately, I think uh, the majority of the research that's showing out there really right now reduced uh, cardioprotective in its own aspect of it. Some are being showing lower blood pressure, um, definitely prevent the decline in kidney health, 
um, with those in moderate and severe kidney disease. So, I mean, ultimately, that is something to consider. Um, I definitely know and have heard, as I said, a little kidney pro uh, protective, liver protective. There are some issues. You know, we're not going to talk that there are not any issues. There are some issues, of course, starting with the lowest dose and increasing it over time helps to reduce these symptoms. Nausea, diarrhea, constipation, vomiting. I mean, the biggest thing I warn my patients for the first couple of days when you're first starting it. Yeah, you'll get some nausea. Diarrhea, probably maybe not as much constipation after a while. There definitely is because you're slowing down that gut. Vomiting, if you're starting at probably too strong of a dose, you probably can get a little vomiting. Some fatigue, as I said, some patients do get the little fatigue. Um, heartburn is more from gastric slowing time. So you are slowing down the gastric emptying time. So when you slow it down, uh, food sits there. And if you ate a lot of heavy stuff, you can get re reflux. Um, so definitely controlling the amounts that you're eating is going to minim minimize and mitigate some of these air these things. I really do tell my patients, you know, eat two meals, breakfast and lunch. And if you want to skip dinner, go for it. Skip the dinner. Um, it, it's kind of you can combine it as like an intermittent fasting and it works well with the intermittent fasting because it allows you to be satiated for a much longer because of the slower gut um, emptying times. Okay. Um, uh, let's talk about, there are some ne other negative things that we do need to understand. I think the, the contraindications are probably going to be, um, you've heard of it, thyroid medullary cancers, and there is no documented human aspects to that. It is literally, uh, related more towards the, the mice studies that they did, that they saw that there was a, uh, medullary thyroid cancers. Um, so if you have a thyroid issue where you have nodularities and stuff like that, this may be one of those medications you avoid at this point in time until there's longer term uh, research and usage on a general populational aspect of it. Um, I have heard of pancreatitis. Um, doesn't necessarily mean everybody's going to get pancreatitis, but there is a history. There is history that it can cause some pancreatitis in a small portion of the population. Does this mean you need to check vitals or, I mean, check labs and stuff like that? That is going to be up to you. I mean, of course, as always, if you can get a baseline lab just when you're starting, um, even some liver enzymes just to make sure there's uh, and pancreatic enzyme levels just to make sure those amylases are not up high and your liver enzymes are not up high. Um, just to document that it's safe, it, it may be advisable. I think there's a lot of people that don't. Um, but, you know, this is where... Uh, this is going to be up to you and your practice and what you want to do out there um, with regards to your own uh, patient population. Let's see. Sustainable weight loss, rebound weight gain is not a surprise given how the medication works. I mean, literally, you're just mimicking GLP, the, the satiety hormone, um, so that we push you know, sugars out and stuff like that. Um, GLP is when we eat GLP is released from our intestines and signals to the brain stores to control the appetite. When you stop taking it, yeah, you're going to feel hungrier and the cravings can return. So ultimately I know there, there are people on TikTok and Instagram. I see it that it doesn't work. It doesn't work. Look, I gained more weight. Well, if you're coming into this and this is your education for your patients, if you're coming into this as like, oh, I'm just going to take this to lose weight and 
I'm not going to change anything in my lifestyle. Yeah, you're going to gain weight. It's kind of like you do liposuction. If you do liposuction and you're still doing the same lifestyle as what got you to the point that you needed to get liposuction, guess what? If you continue that same lifestyle afterwards, you're going to go back to that. Same thing with these medications, same thing with everything on life, um, on the aspect of it. Um, so yeah, yeah, you've read possible mood changes if you're prone to depression. There is something with regards to that. I have, in the population that I've dealt with, I have yet to have anybody with that, uh, really too many mood changes. Definitely fatigue, I've heard. Um, increased heart rate in some. I've heard of that. I have yet to find that. Um, and that is something, you know, that's where some of the studies that we're seeing are contraindicate or contrary to what we're maybe starting to see. And, you know, ultimately we will, we will only see what happens as more people start to use this, you know, studies are still studies. And so you can only do so much out of the patient population. They studied, you have to realize a lot of this stuff has already been studied for a while because it's come from the diabetic aspect of it, where you much more apparent and much more using it in the weight loss aspect of it. You always have to realize a lot of these things that you're reading about also have to do with how much medication are they really using. A lot of times people, and this is human nature, when one thing is going well and it's doing good, I'm going to do more and I'm going to get better results and I'm going to do more and I'm going to get faster results. And so ultimately, we, you know, when you're reading these things, really, really comes down to how you control the patient. And when you're reading these studies is, are, are they actually being, um, are they actually documenting how much medication they're giving? You know, if you eat too much sugar, it's natural. Are they going to, you know, FDA approve it or have to watch over it because you ate too much sugar? There are side effects from, you know, from, you know, the, the, um, you know, there are side effects from everything. So if you eat too much of anything or take too much of anything, there can be side effects. And this is the problem. You know, this is for you guys as practitioners to take control of this and help your patients understand. Um, there is a, uh, there is a dose dependency, not necessarily dose dependency, but there is a potential of reaching a point where you flood too much of the receptors and putting more is not going to make it any better. So there is a dosage where I, I forgot what dosage it was. I think we limit ours to about 20 micrograms. Um, but ultimately when you are keep taking the medication and the receptors keep on it and on it and on it, there will be a point where all the receptors are flooded and more is not going to get you better results. More is actually going to actually negate results and you're going to go to the opposite thing. And actually you, this is the reason why I really do think that patients that are on this, you have to evaluate them and figure out with regards to where they are, what they're feeling, and I base it off of what they're feeling and how you go into a from a lower dose into a higher dose. There is this point where you're in high enough dose and you go more, it's not going to do any more effect. And at that point, you need the patient to actually stop the medication and actually literally get off of it so that the receptors can actually flush themselves out and re 
uh, you can say reinvigorate or form new form new receptors. Um, more is not going to get them anymore. More could potentially be those side effects that you're starting to read and hear about on uh, throughout that aspect of it. So this is where when you guys are reading these anecdotal stories that this person has this issue with it and this person has this issue, what needs to be more transparent about it is what was the dosages that they were using? Were they really low, low, do low dosages or were they really high, high dosages because they started here, it worked well and they kept moving them up, 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 up until there was no real extra benefit to it and they literally end up overdoing it and now the side effects are going to outweigh what the benefits are. So you have to be a little bit careful with regards to that. Um, so, you know, really, really talking to your patients and really getting them to understand that this is all about a lifestyle change. Um, it really is a lifestyle change that they need to take the opportunity while this is literally making it easy for them to make these changes. Because if you don't make these, help them make these changes and really enforce it to them, they have the potential of gaining back. Because if they go back and they're still drinking and eating like normal, it, it's hard. You know, you, you have to be very careful about that. Okay, is there any more slides there? Uh... Long-term unknowns, rebound, weight gain, not a surprise given how much medication works. You know, are there long-term side effects? We will only know. Um, so hopefully this is giving you a little overview. I'll try to answer things as much as possible. Um, I don't know <laughs> all the answers. Family medicine was in the way heydays for me. I still try and keep up a little bit on it. But um, let's see what kind of questions do we have. Dorothy? Patient with thyroid cancer and had thyroid cancer. She now wants GLP-1. I've asked for clearance. I would definitely ask for clearance. I mean, it comes down to, I mean, at the end of the day, it's not in human trials that they saw this. It's in rat uh, mice studies. And ultimately, you know, I think it comes down to clearance. It comes, things is, comes down to educating the patients about it and you know it's up to you and your relationship with the patients if you feel okay with it and you can document you've explained it and they're willing to take the risk because this risk is much more minimal to them and weight loss and how that's going to is needed in their life and lifestyle then that is going to be a conversation you're going to have to with your patients. I, I'm not one to completely shut the door on it. There are some definite no's in my life, but I think everything else in my life runs gray. And it's really dependent on where you are with your patients uh, uh, as far as your relationship with your patients and them being understandable. If they're just keeping pushing, 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 and you're like, I'm not feeling comfortable, then don't do it. You know, ask for that clearance, you know, put it in your chart and stuff like that. Uh, Joanne, how long can one stay on the injectable? What is maintenance? Is it okay to be on low dose after you reach your goal weight? Ah, this is an interesting question. I mean, ultimately, you have to realize by, by FDA standards for Wagovi, which is the weight loss, there's a certain BMI that you're supposed to have. And, um, and ultimately, is it, is it sustainable for someone who, who is short term? I don't know the answers to that. You know, this is where this is where you have to vie on your ethics and morals and on on the research out there. And 
I don't know what to tell you on that. I mean, of course, there are going to be patients that are like 10, 15 pounds overweight and they need, they, they feel as though they need this. But is it, as you know, Dorothy says, is it a hard BMI that you have to hold these patients to? I don't know the exact answer to that. I mean, ultimately, if you can start a patient on it and that 10 pounds and you're putting on for a month to two months and it really doesn't, to me, if you can get on those type of patients, maybe a baseline lab, a baseline, everything's okay. And you put them on it and it's documented. We talked about, it, we're going to put you on it for one month, maximum two, two months. We're not here to, you know, balance that out. I think that the, that's going to be up to you. And the court of law comes down to if there's any issues, were they in the right BMI? I think this comes down to how, how much you ride the black and white and whether you're in black and white versus gray um, in that aspect of it, I think is going to be your comfortability with your patients. Um, you know, ultimately, I, th I think that that's always something that you can uh, gauge because ultimately, yeah, there's going to all there is going to be a push from your patients who have considered normal BMI. But then again, what is BMI? Is it really, truly because Honestly, for my height and my weight, I'm considered overweight. And I don't think I'm that overweight. If you watch my Instagram, I do eat a lot, but I don't think I'm overweight. But I supposedly have a really overweight BMI. So is BMI really a, a something to go based off the standard? I don't know. Um, there's a lot of questions about what labs to order when you're starting the medication. I, you know, I think just a regular, you know, these are the things you think about it. If we say that there's a potential we're hearing pancreatitis, maybe draw draw some you know uh, pancreatic type of enzyme labs, some liver labs, and then just a regular you know CMP and a hemoglobin A1C. Yeah, that's what I would do a CMP, hemoglobin A1C. If you want to throw in a little bit of you know amylase lipase type of things, you can throw that in. I don't think it costs a ton, and you know you can pass that patient on to your patients. Um, so, I mean, I, I, weight criteria, Starla, I, I don't know if there's a weight criteria. I mean, majority of me, I think my patients that I allow on it, they really are 20, 30 pounds overweight and they really need to lose it. Those ones that are losing like 10 pounds plus minus, I mean, you know, ultimately it's a sob story. There are a lot of patients who, you know, that they do need to lose that last 10 pounds. That's what they're looking for. And they've worked out and they're doing their thing. And it comes down to a little bit of evaluation of what you're comfortable doing uh, for the patients um, on the aspect of it. Um, Andrea, do we titrate back when we saw stop it or can you stop abruptly? Um, I personally would say that you could stop pretty abruptly. I mean, I don't think you necessarily need to, uh, I would say it's a balance. I think, you know, ultimately when I have patients who I feel as though they're starting to not lose any more weight, their satiety is coming back really strong, all of that stuff, I think those ones I will stop kind of automatically if they've reached out to a, a, a weight that's really, really nice, you could take it and slowly start to taper it down a little bit over the next couple of weeks on the aspect of it. I don't think that there's any wrong things with regards to it. Um, so I, I think that that's, uh, that's going to be something that's up to you guys with regards to that. I'm sorry. I'm reading other ones. Uh, Michael has laws regarding compounding semiglutide. 
uh, repercussions from normal deficit if you use compounded formulas. I don't think there's any issues with using compounded formulas. I think if you are using accredited compounding pharmacy that makes good medications, um, there is nothing wrong with it. They're producing a more reasonable form of semiglutide that allows your patients to be able to do it. Um, so yeah, I mean, I use a semi-glutide that's compounded. Um, uh, they actually added vitamin B12 into it. So I think that that definitely is really, really nice. So yeah, I know a lot of you guys are starting to talk each other, talk to each other on that aspect of it. Um, but yeah, there are definitely some custom compounding agents that are doing some B12. Um, I'm hoping that Manjaro becomes a little bit of compounded in the future. Um, but ultimately, um, drug bio bioavailability, Lucy, with compounding, ah, that's gonna, nobody's gonna do studies with regards to compounding pharmacies. I think you just have to try it out and see, you go with the bigger pharmacies or stuff or compounding pharmacies that you know of or have reputable aspects of it. Um, it is one of those things you definitely need to be a little bit careful of. Uh, Tanya, if told hemoglobin C is less than five, not to prescribe because of potential side effects. I mean, that hemoglobin C is kind of on the lower side. That means that person runs a little bit more hypoglycemic. I mean, definitely in my practice, I definitely don't wor work with patients who are diabetic and are on other medications um, for diabetes because you can throw them into a little bit maybe more hypoglycemic on the aspect of it because you're pushing sugar back out with glucagon and then so their hemoglobin A1C is on the aspect of it. So it's a balance of that. Um, I would probably say if you, if you, that is a case, maybe it's something to push them to go into an endocrinologist and have them prescribe it and see if it's something that the endocrinologist, you know, you guys, unless you guys are in regular medicine still at this day, you know, you need to make sure that you are going to hold yourself to the standard of a person who is in uh, endocrinology, family medicine, who is watching out for these patients like that. So, you know, just because we can do it doesn't mean you should do it unless you have things in place that you're going to be able to monitor their patients. I mean, it doesn't, to me, it doesn't mean you're going to monitor them a ton. I mean, if you think about it, majority of your family meds or your endocrinologist, you're not going to be able to see the patient for two, three months. So they're kind of titrating on their own at home in a sense. So they're getting a monthly kind of uh, a monthly type of a prescription. So you can decide I, in my practice, I bring my patients in once a week for the first couple of weeks until I feel as though I've counseled them enough and I feel as though they're good and they're on a good regimen before I say, hey, let me give you two, three, four weeks at a time, then you can do it on your own at home. And then we'll check up back up with you every two or four weeks on the aspect of it. That's going to be up to you and your practitioners and your medical directors to decide what is comfortable for you guys. I don't think there's a right or wrong way. I look at it from a medical standpoint, from family medicine, endocrinologists, how often are they able to see their patients? What happens if they're not able to follow up on a weekly basis or are they? So, you know, you take into what traditional medicine has offered and, you know, figure out somewhere in between, you know, we are able to do that, um, you know, for, for our patients. And it's a great thing to add on because it only ad advances our aesthetics because we have patients who are heavier and fatter and they need, want to look better. But that fattiness 
tends to droop them down a little bit more. So I, I think that that is something that you, you have to take in consideration and what your idea is. But yes, Stacy, that is what we do. We drop a month's worth and we dose it so that we just tell them this is what you're doing and doing and doing. Um, as far as charges, that's going to be up to you and what you charge. Um, you know, standard probably for, uh, I think, patients pay if you look on it on a monthly basis for like di the diabetes if you go back to that i think it was like 900 to a thousand i mean if you're getting it from a compounding pharmacy you know what that costs you um that's going to be up to you but probably majority of people i think probably are doing 100 to 200 dollars per week on that aspect of it this is uh you know this is going to be up to you guys and figuring that out don't go overboard you know, make sure that you are ethical about this and really, really wanting to do this for your patients so that they can benefit from this aspect of it. Um, so as far as the, the, the charges, I think it's going to be up to your practice and what you can, how much it is and how much you can get it for on the aspect of it. Um, guys, I think this playback will be, it'll be on, it's on YouTube, right? Yeah, it will be on YouTube probably in about a week or two. Um, so, yes, you can uh, catch back up and see me lonely <laughs> talking by myself to Scully because Lori dropped off, dropped off on me. <laughs> um, what other questions that we have, guys? Can we pull down? Um, do you dispense to a patient or administer in office? Yes, I dispense to the patient and administer in the office. Are we worried about patients sharing meds with friends and family? I mean, we draw up only enough syringes for three, four weeks at a time. So if they give it to somebody else, uh, that's you can't control that. I mean, it's like I'm in family medicine. I'm writing a prescription for them, for them, for themselves to use. If they give it to somebody else and share it with somebody else, I, you know, I can't help on that aspect of it, but if they come in and they keep asking, oh, I lost this, I lost mine, I, I probably would say, you know what, I'm not going to be able to give you any more medications because you shouldn't be losing them this often. And then at that point in time, I'd rather than bring in once a week and say, you know what, let me give you an, an injection on that aspect of it. Um... Uh, let's see. Do I recommend monitoring labs? Yep. Yeah. I mean, I don't know if I recommend monitoring them. I think you should have a baseline if you really want to. I think that's nice. But ultimately, ultimately, do I would I follow them up consistently? You know, maybe after six months, three months, six months, or something like that. I think uh, you could definitely. Uh, do that. Uh, Haley, I'm having a hard time finding compound pharmacies in Cali that will do this. Um, there are compounding pharmacies. I personally don't know. My staff deals with that. But there are uh, compounding pharmacies out there. Um, oh, Empower. I've heard of Empower. Um, they can definitely do it. You know, ultimately, realize that as more and more people are doing this, it may be a little bit harder and you may need to wait a little bit longer um, in that area. Uh, Brenda, how long does this stay in the system after last dose? I mean, the fact that you were doing weekly injections probably means that the half-life of about a week or so um, probably could last in the system a little bit longer than that, probably two to three weeks. But this is the reason why we do weekly injections. Um, 
And then let's see, Angie, is there a limit to how much weight is lost monthly before the dose is reduced? Um, I, you know, this is the reason why you don't go up on the dosage. You don't just keep going up, 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 up. You know, I know patients are up. Let me, if this, if I lost two pounds this week, can you up it more so that I can lose three or four pounds? Don't do it. Don't fall into that trap because ultimately the more you do, the more the receptors get flooded, the more the receptors will not respond. So you want to keep them, if they want longevity with this, you want to keep them on the lowest, lowest dose possible until you literally um, need to. Like if they're not responding, they feel um, this and this uh, with regards to that. So I, I don't, um, yeah, just be careful of, of the aspect of it. Veronica, have you heard of possible causing erectile? No, I don't think so. I mean, improves blood pressure in the sense of the matter. Um, so I don't think uh, I don't think erectile dysfunction is anything. Um, you know, ultimately, you have to realize a lot of the people that have been on these type of medications where you're doing take with a grain of salt because it comes from the diabetic world. So if a diabetic already has re diabetic retinopathy or they have erectile dysfunction because of all the blood sugars that have been flowing around from their uncontrolled diabetes, that's, you know, a different aspect of it than what, um, what really is related to the medication. Um, but I have yet to really hear anything with regards to that aspect of it. The biggest things that I probably heard is literally the uh, acute pancreatitis is where I've heard of. And literally when you stop the medication, it does go away. Um, they And one person I was listening to, they actually started the person on Manjaro and did not have any issues with regards to that. So as much as a GLP, because it's a GIP um, mixed with a little tiny bit of GLP, it works really, really, it worked really nicely for that patient. So um, pancreatitis is probably the biggest thing to worry about on that aspect of it. Um, what else? Uh, any more? Any more questions? Are we done? <laughs> Hopefully I've helped out on this as much as possible. Um, you know, there's a lot to learn about this medication. You know, I, I don't think, I don't think that there's a right or a wrong. We'll see with regards to when to start it, when to stop it. Um, you know, this is mm, last question. Can we call? Can we or cause hair loss? I don't think this will cause hair loss. I, I really don't think it causes hair loss. On from what any of the research that I've read on, you know, there's always going to be questions and anecdotal things and stuff like that. Um, you, we have to see it much more longer, um, longer aspects of it. Uh, longest I've seen, I mean, my nurse practitioner has kept his patient on for a year already. And he was a big guy. He was like 304, almost 400 pounds. And he's already lost about a hundred pounds, um, hundred pounds, if not more. Um, and so that definitely is, is a possibility. Ryan, have I seen one additive better than the fact B12 L-carnitine? Eh. Uh, I don't know. A lot of them just add B12, L-carnitine, a little bit more transport molecule. I, I don't think there's a right or wrong. Um, uh, ultimately, it does. And yes, I have heard the, Stacey, the B12 does reduce a little bit of the nausea, but in and of itself, you know, you still may get the nausea on the aspect of it. Uh, Jennifer, if the receptor sites are flooded, how long do you recommend take a break? 
I don't know if there's a recommendation. I would at least stop for about a month, at least a month or so. I mean, it, 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 in my practice, what I do is I warn the patients we're going to be on it for three months and we'll evaluate it. Um, and then we'll kind of go from there. Um, and if I feel as the patient's been doing well and they've stayed on the low dose and we're not constantly going up, 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 I may extend it for another month to two months to three months on the aspect of it. Um, uh, Stacy, every pharmacy titration schedule calls for doubling dose every month. If a client is responding well, the results stay on the same dose. I mean, especially if you're using the compounding farm compounded ones. I personally think the compounded ones are a little bit stronger and can be a little stronger. So I think um, that does work very nicely. L-carnitine, I'll have to consider adding that into it. I know we used to use that in the mesotherapy concoction with the phosphatidylcholine and uh, deoxycholic acid. And when we were having the better kybellas, we were actually actually adding L-carnitine, theophylline, and a lot of other concoctions into ours for fat loss on that aspect of it. So L-carnitine is one of them uh, that does but, you know, these are all little additives and little things that give the little tiny extra. I think the base molecule of the actual um, ozempic, the semi-glutide, is really what's working well on that aspect of it. Do I use this in combination with other peptides for muscle growth and lean muscle mass? Um, I personally have not at this point in time. Um, so uh, you let me know, Ryan. It would be nice to know uh, uh, about that. I have yet to jump into peptides. I want to. I've been doing more regenerative. We're starting to do functional medicine. I have to look into more peptides. But I mean, definitely, if you're doing IV peptides for it, I think it's it's a great way to get a little bit more leaner muscle growth. You know, this is this is working on a different pattern cycle on the as aspect of it. Um, thoughts on muscle wasting. I don't think there's muscle wasting with semi-glutide. Not that I've heard of. I mean, this is working on that glucagon aspect of it. Um, but I mean, possibly, but I, I don't think muscle wasting is really, really, um, something that I've heard of or seen at this point in time. Axpel, they're great peptides. Oh, thanks, Jennifer. I will definitely take a look into that. All right, I think I've been told to wrap this up. So hopefully that was helpful. Um, don't miss the next AI Live. We are going to be doing, um, what are we talking about, guys? Have we decided a topic? Oh, we actually have not decided a topic. So if you guys have any topics, DM us at the Aesthetic Immersion, or you can DM me, or email us at learnattheaestheticimmersion.com. Let us know kind of what topics we should talk about once Lori's back. Um, but we'll definitely be on the next AI Live. It'll be March 7th um, at 5 o'clock. So thank you very much, guys, for joining me um, and hope that really helped a little overview on the aspect of it. All right. Thank you. Bye, guys. Well, that was our AI Live podcast for today. Be sure to check out our other episodes. And as always, thank you for tuning in. Catch you next time.